Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a crowd podcast. How many rugby players can you name? Okay, you're listening to a sports podcast. You can probably rattle them off different positions, countries, eras. What about your dad? Your mum? Your mate who only watches football? His mate who's into music, not sport? There's only one player they all know. One they can all picture. A name. But what he did too. How he looked doing it. How he made other people look. Because you don't need to get rugby to get Jonah Lomu. You didn't need to understand what happens in a scrum or what a breakdown is. Didn't matter if you'd never seen a game before or never heard of league or union. Because no one had ever seen anyone like him. Not the experts, not the dabblers, not the ones who didn't care. Six foot four, almost 19 stone when most players on the wing were smaller and lighter and all about the speed. He had the speed too, and the swerves and the steps, and power the others never had, and strength. This is Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. There are moments when Lomu's playing when one of the old sporting cliches actually seems true. He does look like a man against boys. That's how big he is. That's how easily he runs around them. Want some more cliches? Knocking people over like Skittles. Going past them like he's on fast forward. And they're in slow motion. Running through walls? You almost think he could do that too. There's a game we'll talk about when all that comes together when this 20-year-old kid wins the match and changes the sport and supersizes his life, all in about 20 minutes. But there's a lot more too, because people always look at Jonah and his build and his speed and think, unstoppable. They think, freak. They see someone who scares other people, 
not someone who could ever be scared himself. And all of that's true. The stuff you think when you see him playing rugby. And so's the stuff you can't see. Where he comes from, how that shapes him and stays with him. The tricks his body will play on him too. The way it'll bring him to his knees. How a quiet kid has to cope when suddenly the world knows him and he's too big to hide. Jonah? You know him. We all do. But you don't know him. Not really. Not yet. We all know New Zealand too, don't we? Mountains, beaches, lakes, green fields and old forests. Volcanoes and earthquakes, but sensible too. Calm. Reserved. That's the bits you see. They're all there. But so are the suburbs you don't go through. The parts of Auckland south of the city centre down by the airport. Highways and inlets and always a mix. European immigrants, Maori, people from Polynesia, from Tonga and Samoa and Fiji, and all the tiny islands in between. It's different down there when Jonah's growing up. You're a long way from the mountains and the lakes, and it's never quiet and never calm down in South Auckland. There's poverty, and there's people looking for jobs. There's religion and ministers on the hunt for more lost souls. There's their side of town, and yours. That's where Jonah's born. When his dad lands in New Zealand from Tonga needing work, needing somewhere to settle. The lost souls? That's sort of where his name comes from. His Aunt Ruby is Methodist, proper Old Testament. Jonah and the whales about not listening to God, about what happens if you stay lost. So the little kid is called Jonah because they want to keep him safe and his dad does settle and his mum. Jonah doesn't. He's sent back to Tonga, back to another aunt. It's easier that way, one less mouth to feed, one less room to rent. Quiet. He's out in the islands, a little cluster in the middle of the Pacific, all dead volcanoes and reefs and shoals. 51 islands and 6,000 people spread across them. It's so far from anywhere that it's a day on the boat to get to the capital, and there's only 20,000 people there anyway. There's no going to school, there's no danger, not really. He calls his aunt Mum and his uncle Dad. There's religion, of course there is, but it's mixed in with ancient stuff, stuff that makes the Old Testament look new, look fancy. There's lots of talk of ghosts, of souls and graveyards, about people getting possessed. That scares you when you're six years old. It gets in your head. There's something Jonah swears he sees one night when he's walked past the graveyard and back to the house. He walks in and he sees his auntie hanging upside down off the wall, twisting, shaking. He stares, and he hears his uncle shouting at him to get out, to run as fast as he can. That's what Jonah's thinking about when his mum comes back and collects him, takes him back to South Auckland. There's just enough money to raise him now, this big kid, but he still feels lost doesn't speak English, never been to school, can't fit in. His mum he's good with. He thinks anything good I do, I do for her. The bad blood's with his dad. The fear. The violence. 
This isn't the islands anymore. He gets no freedom in the city, never gets the sense he's loved. When his dad drinks, and he's drinking a lot, it's always the same. Jonah gets hit. His little brother gets hit. His mum trying to stand in the way. You get it. Jonah's big, but his dad's bigger. When he hears his dad coming home late, the fear rises up inside him. He knows where he's been, what state he'll be in. He works out it's worse on paydays. He works out when paydays are due and tries to go to bed early, get out of the way. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so this kid, who'll give others nightmares when he's grown up, spends his own nights hiding. He gets hit with fists, with strips of electric cord. He covers up the welts and the bruises when he goes to school because he wants to give nothing away. And he's brave too, this lost boy. When his dad's going for him, when the punches are coming in, he never cries. He never looks away. He stares at his dad all the while it's happening. You're not winning. You think you are, but you're not. The other thing you know about New Zealand, the rugby. It's everywhere, wherever you go. Every school has a field, every town has a club. You see kids walking home from school and they're lobbing a rugby ball between them, spinning it on the fingers, flicking it out the back of their hands. When Jonah's just 12, rugby has its first World Cup. New Zealand hosts it. New Zealand reached the final at Eden Park, only about eight miles away from where Jonah's growing and hiding and trying to stay out of the way. New Zealand win. They stroll it. And you can't miss it when they do. This team of white men and Maoris and Polynesians. Headlines on the front pages, faces on billboards. Always the shirt, always the myths and stories around it. Always the nickname that's more like a boast and a badge and a war cry. The All Blacks. The first try in the final scored by Michael Jones. Samoan heritage, big and strong and fast like Jonah. Christian like Jonah. So the kid remembers the man and he remembers that shirt and what it means to everyone. He remembers as he hangs out on the streets to keep away from his dad as he sees relatives out there sleeping rough and getting lost. There's a gang of them, young Tongan lads. They call themselves the CCB, the City Crip Boys, sort of borrowed from the gangs in LA. They pile into the city centre, the posh streets, beat kids up for their clothes, nick BMX bikes. They get older, they start nicking cars, hotwiring them, joyriding around the suburbs, screaming tyres and music pumping. They make their own homebrew beer in buckets, get sloshed, get into fights. And Jonah's good at this, if you think there's any good in it at all. When he fights, when he throws punches, he thinks about his dad, about the times he stared into his eyes and just took it, the pain and the rejection and the anger. When he fights, he gives it all back. When he fights, he really lets go. He loses control and all that anger and pain comes pouring out and he doesn't know what he's doing until the other kids haul him off and say, that's enough, bro. Thing is, you fight like that, you stand that tall and you make yourself a target. 
People arm themselves, stay ahead of the game. Jonah gets stabbed in the leg with a knife. He gets stabbed with a broken beer bottle. When he's 13, his uncle gets caught in the wrong fight at the wrong time. There's a rival gang called the Sons of Samoa chasing another gang, the Tongan lynch mob. The uncle? He's hacked to death in a shopping mall. They use machetes. They take off his head and arms. That's the South Auckland suburbs. A long way from Eden Park. A long way from the All Blacks. But Jonah remembers. And when he gets a scholarship to a good school in the country, rugby comes his way again. It's a teacher who first gets it. After Jonah cops six detentions in his first two days, the teacher understands the anger, sees what else that physique could do. He buys him a punch bag, says, when you feel the rage coming, you find the bag. And Jonah does. Three times before lunch sometimes. He tries different sports, finds them all easy. On the school sports day, this is what he wins. The 100 metres, the 200, the 400, the long jump, the high jump, discus, shot put and javelin. So of course he's in the school rugby team. All that pace, all that power, running as fast as he can, all that anger channeled somewhere safer. It doesn't solve everything, the rugby. His dad's still drinking. Jonah's 15 when he sees him coming for him again, arm raised. This time? This time, Jonah picks him up, throws him across the room, shouts, I'm not taking this anymore. His dad screams back at him from the floor, you are no longer my son, get out of my house. Jonah does, but he's got somewhere else to go now. He's captain of the school team. He's got scouts from big teams eyeing him up. That all black jersey, that boast, that war cry. Maybe it's not so far away anymore. Maybe he's not a lost soul. Maybe he can still be found. It's the World Cup next, after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Death of a Sports Star. No one's ever played for the All Blacks at the age Jonah is when he gets the call. 19 years and 45 days. He's a kid. But he's not, not really. He's a man now. Bigger than the others. Stronger. Faster. Yeah, he's raw. He's so shy he can barely speak to the other players. There's things he can't do. Some of the dull defensive stuff. The positioning. The decisions. But everyone else can do it. They can't do what Jonah's been doing for his club side, for regional sides. And so he's picked. And he's taken to the World Cup in 1995. The first one in South Africa. The biggest one yet. The coach calls him a wild card. 
one for the future. And then the tournament starts, and the future is suddenly happening, and the old world looks slow and backward and dead. He scores against Ireland, smashing players backwards. The commentators keep using that word, unstoppable. One says it and another repeats it like it's the only thing they can think. He scores another, burning round the outside. He comes up against Scotland and does it again. Now people aren't talking about wild cards. They're talking about giants and freaks. They're talking about rugby in places they never talk about rugby. They're sitting down to watch the semi-final against England when a week ago they didn't even know what the World Cup was. And the stuff no one knows. Not yet. How Jonah's so nervous before the island game he throws up again and again. How he can't sleep the night before the England game, has to walk the hotel corridors, do laps of the car park, doesn't get a wink. It's strange when you watch that semi-final back now. It's sort of familiar and shocking again. You know what's going to happen. But it still looks impossible, still looks insane. He'll score four tries, Jonah. He'll win the game before England have realised what's happening. But it's the first try that matters, more than any other. That's the only one he can remember afterwards. That's the one no one can forget. It's a horrible pass he gets, out there on the left wing. Black shirt, black shorts, white number 11 on his back, on his shorts. Two lines shaved into his left eyebrow so it all matches up. The ball's behind him. He stops, retreats. Retreat? It's like pulling back a catapult. He picks the ball up and he's gone. Past the first defender, hand in his face, flicking him off. Round the next one, pure speed, pure swerve. One man left. What do you do? Try to take him on the outside, step inside, look for a pass to a teammate. Jonah runs through the wall, straight into the defender and straight over him. And as he dives over the try line, it's all white England shirts lying on the green grass, on their backs, on their fronts, rolling about. That's the try that decides the game. The seven seconds that changes life. The memory that changes rugby forever. After that, anything seems possible. How to stop him? You can't. That's what everyone thinks. Show him outside and he goes round you. Try to tackle him low and he'll go over you. Go high and he'll go over you slightly higher. They don't win the World Cup, the All Blacks. There's food poisoning and pressure and bigger things out there. Nelson Mandela and the end of apartheid and a new start for an old country. When you play South Africa, you're playing a whole nation now, not just a little part of it. So people remember Mandela in a green and gold jersey. They remember the celebrations. The player, the moment, that's Jonah. Nothing's ever the same again for the kid from the quiet islands or for the game he plays. Now Jonah belongs to the whole world. That's how it feels to him. Everyone wants to know what he eats, what he wears, what he drives. The food stuff is amazing. He goes to McDonald's one time and blows $45. Can't see that in actual food? Right. Here's what he puts away another time. Two Big Macs, two quarter pounders, two fillet of fish, two McChicken sandwiches, fries, a large drink, and a pack of 20 McNuggets. There's a pizza chain doing an all-you-can-eat deal for 
Jonah and his mates go in, get through 30 large pizzas, six and a half big pizzas each. The owner bans them, he's not stupid. And when the All Blacks coaches see all the junk food and put Jonah on a soup and bread diet, even that's endearing. He has five bowls of soup and two loaves of bread. That's the funny stuff. There's a lot else. There's a girl he's met in South Africa. They get on well, stay in touch. She moves over. When they get married, he doesn't invite his parents. She doesn't invite hers. They get told by reporters and tears follow. Jonah goes on national TV to explain himself, balls his eyes out. A lost kid all over again. We know why, how he was raised, what it's done to him. Everyone else? They expect him to be unstoppable, unbreakable. He gets done for speeding. The old joyriding thrills come back. He hasn't got a driving licence, gets done again. He hates how there's photographers following him everywhere now and attacks one of them, smashes his equipment. None of that's good. But there's something else too, something bigger still. This is where the story goes now. This is what's going to stop him. Not defenders, not tackles, not his dad, not anymore. Himself, his own body. It's the colds that tell him first. How he gets a cough and sniffle and it lasts for weeks. How he's always tired, even when he's sleeping all day. Little cuts become abscesses. Bruises stay forever. He trains hard, but it feels like he's trained twice as long. They check him out. The doctors say, you've got nephrotic syndrome. He says, it's buggered kidneys. No one knows why it's happening. Whether it's bad luck, genes, diet, maybe a mix of all of them. But it's the end of rugby for a year while they try to sort them. And it's a different Jonah now, hidden away from the cameras and the fans and the big games. He's on steroids to bring down the swelling in his kidneys. He gets bigger, in a bad way. Up to 23 stone, bloated. He's on a chemo drug, massive needles stuck in his arm, Everything smells and tastes bad. His mood's all over the place. When he tries to exercise, he feels broken. A run that should take 18 minutes takes him two hours. There's miracles in there, because this is Jonah. The treatment works in a way. Doesn't cure him, but patches him up. He gets back playing and gets back for the next World Cup. Scores another sensational try against England. You watch from the outside and think, he's back where he was, unstoppable. He's not. He splits with his wife, sees headlines in the papers about how he's not paying for our house, how he's left us skint and broken-hearted. There's paparazzi outside his house in the trees, following him on motorbikes. He marries again and still doesn't invite his family. And all the time, the kidneys swell and the kidneys start to fail. He can't recover when he runs, and he can't get back now when the ball goes behind him. He thinks about the all-black shirt, but they're not thinking about him now, not as a player. He's on dialysis, six hours a day, because he's twice the size of most patients. 
Needles in his arms, machines and tubes, sucking out the blood, cleaning it, shooting it back in. Then it's the nights too. Eight hours while you sleep. Or don't sleep. That's the kidneys. There's another knock-on here too. It's affecting his nerve fibres. His legs go numb. These great muscled things that have taken him round defenders, over them, through them. Now, they can barely keep him standing. He stumbles. People stare at him. That guy looks like Jonah. But it can't be, can it? He tries to think about the things he loves. Cars, drag racing. He's got the fastest street legal car in the country, he reckons. The stereo's so loud he says it could set off burglar alarms 100 yards away. He tries to break another record for the loudest car stereo in the world. But he keeps thinking about something else too. How it used to feel, going round people, over them, through them, running as fast as he could, when he could run away. He thinks... I'd love just one more taste. The people around him understand. A friend does something you'd hope a friend would do, but you wonder deep down if you could. He says, I'll give you one of my kidneys. That's how we'll do this. Everyone knows it's a risk. You get a kidney transplant and it can last 25 years or 25 minutes. And Jonah's is good for a while. His body accepts it. Does it freak him out, having part of someone else inside him, being possessed in a good way? Of course it does. But he can walk again and train again. He can even play again for a little while. Not the old Jonah, more the shadow behind. But he runs and he swerves and he could almost pretend it's all okay, that he's unstoppable again. It's when the World Cup comes back to New Zealand in 2011 that it starts to fail back into hospital, back onto dialysis. Now it's not about playing. It's hanging on long enough to see his two boys reach 21. That's the target now. His own dad never made it. The drinking caught up. So he wants that for his sons, the stuff he never had. He says, the light has arrived with the boys. Six hours a day, hooked up to the machines, to the needles and tubes, he waits for another transplant, but the odds aren't good. Your body rejects one, it's more likely to reject another. People know Jonah, but they don't. They see him at the next World Cup in London and they think he's okay. They don't see his kidneys and they don't see the machines and the tubes. No one expects the news when it comes. They say it's a heart attack. They say it might have been a blood clot from the long flight back home to New Zealand. Kidneys that don't work, that don't clean the blood. All everyone thinks is, this can't be true. This is Jonah. He's 40. He's big and strong and unstoppable. Another thought just behind that. You can see it in the reaction. If this can happen to him, what does it mean for me? And that's the thing about Jonah when he dies. People grieve for him and they grieve for his boys. They set up a trust fund run by Michael Jones, the great inspiration from way back in that first World Cup, because the money's gone, however much came in. But they grieve for themselves too, 
for a memory you can't forget, for the sense of wonder and excitement, for their own limits and how he made them feel about them, for the brutal reminder of their own mortality. 20 rugby players have scored more international tries than Jonah ever did. Heaps have won more caps. None of that matters. What you notice about the reaction to his death is how many people cared, how many lives he touched. There's something else that sticks in your mind too. Jonah always reckoned his disease meant he only ever performed at 80% of his potential. You could hold on to that on that dark winter's day when the news broke. He's the one everyone knows. He's the one you can't forget. And he wasn't even running as fast as he could. There was always more with Jonah. Always more. This episode was written by Tom Fordyce and read by me, Emma Clark. It was edited by Phil Brown. For research, we used the archives of World Rugby, the BBC, The Telegraph and Times, Rugby World, The Daily Mail and The New Zealand Herald. We also read Jonah's official biography, My Story, written with Warren Adler. The music we used is from BMG Production Music. If you want another podcast to listen to and you're a rugby fan, check out The Joe Marler Show. Joe has new episodes out every Wednesday and his guests are eclectic to say the least. He's been speaking to astronauts, zookeepers and psychologists, all with an open mind. And he can be charming too. Just search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app. There'll be a new episode of Death of a Sports Star out on Monday. Thanks for listening. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age... You're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. 
I'm coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 258 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. <laughs> 